0: Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Amen. Luke chapter 2. Uh, Christmas uh, traditions are different all over the world. Uh, some of them are, are really unique. Some of them are, are kind of humorous and funny. Some of them are very sweet. Uh, in Norway... Uh, on Christmas Eve, people hide their mops and their brooms because they believe if they don't, then evil spirits will come and use their mops and brooms to trap. Yeah, what I think they're doing is they're, they're trying to keep their mops and walls away. Is what they think they're doing, uh, but they hide mops and brooms so that witches and ghosts, can hide their brooms, and right away, um, in Japan on Christmas they feast on KFC. Uh, most of us, you know, we have a big Christmas meal, but they feast. At the UFC. in Germany, they hide a pickle ornament somewhere in the tree, and the person who finds the pickle ornament gets an extra present. From everyone else in Poland, they do not eat their Christmas dinner until someone sees the first star in the sky, which I don't know what you do if it's cloudy. Uh, and nobody sees a star, I guess you just starve that night. I'm not 100% sure. Um, In Oaxaca, Mexico, they carve nativity scenes into radishes. Uh, They have a contest about it every year, but my favorite is probably in Finland. In Finland, every year, for years, on Christmas Eve, in the city of Turku, uh, Finland, the mayor meets in the the city square and he reads the Christmas proclamation to the city. And here's what it reads. It reads, Tomorrow, God will is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all, by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or or improper behavior shall, under aggravating circumstances, be guilty and punished according to what the law and statute describe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous feast is wished to all the inhabitants of the city. Uh, it reminds people that Christmas is a time of peace, Christmas of of joy and wonderful times. And according to the people in Finland. You better not mess up their peace. You better not mess up their Christmas or they are going to punish you seriously. This is probably something that we should all read at our Christmas dinner uh, before that uncle starts talking about politics. Just read, hey, it's Christmas. You break the peace, we're going to punish you severely. But it's a great reminder that Christ came into the world to bring us peace. To bring us peace with each other. To bring us peace with God. And we, of course, are in the second week of Advent celebration. And I love Advent uh, because it is a little more, to me, it's a little more uh, precious than just Christmas. Uh, it, it reminds us of what the Christmas season is all about, about what this season is about. We, we stand, during Advent, we stand between two realities. We, we look back celebrating the birth of the Savior, celebrating the fact that God did come. He was born of a virgin. He did live a perfect, sinless life. He did die in our place. He did rise again to redeem us to God the Father. He did ascend to heaven. And we we celebrate that, and we remember that, and we thank God for that. But we also look forward to the fact that He's coming again to get us one day. That one day, the the sky will open up, the trump of God will sound, those who are are dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those that remain shall be caught up with them in the sky, and we shall be forever with the Lord. That he came. He lived for us. He died for us. He rose again for us. But he's coming back one day to get us. Doesn't no matter how hectic the world is, no matter how crazy the world may be, we know one day Jesus is coming again to bring peace to everyone, to peace once and for all to the earth. And we celebrate his birth, but we look forward to the second coming. And of course, we focus each week on the attributes of God that Advent gives us. We looked at the hope. Of the season last week, and this week we're looking at the peace that God gives us, the peace of Advent. that We're gonna look at the story of the shepherds. Now the shepherds were the first people on earth to receive news of the birth of Jesus besides Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph or everyone else, but then the shepherds were told. So look in Luke chapter two, we're gonna start reading verse number eight. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made un- known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that, they ha- that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now this isn't how you expect the birth of a royal baby to be announced. Now, I, I did some research on it, and there have been some, some, you know, whenever a royal baby is born in England, there's always a big announcement. Of course, now uh, it's usually made on Twitter or uh, Instagram or uh, X, I think it is now. I don't even know what it is. But it's made, you know, kind of on social is a huge, a, a beautiful proclamation with calligraphy, and it's announced to the world, and it's this beautiful proclamation, and, and here we don't have just any child of a king being born, we have the king of kings being born, we have the, Lord, we have the creator of the universe being born, and his birth is announced in a kind of a, a low-key kind of way. Uh, This isn't the birth of any king, it's the birth of the long-awaited Messiah. But instead of a king, the birth of the Messiah to the entire world. Now, we'll see in other Christmas stories that God did announce the birth of the Savior to the whole world with the star in the sky, but only those who were looking for it understood. The wise men saw the star in the east and they came and saw Jesus as a toddler Two or three years old, so if you've got wise men in your nativity scene, it's biblically incorrect. I'm not going to judge you for it, but God does. Uh, but anyway, um, so they, they, saw it. they saw the star. They knew what it was, but he didn't. He, he could have done more than just put a star in the sky. I mean, he could have written, Jesus is here. He could have just announced it. I mean, remember when Jesus was baptized, God opened up the, and spoke. And everybody. He could have announced all over the world, hey, my son's been born. That's where he is. Everybody go see him. But he didn't do that. He didn't take he didn't even announce it to the religious leaders of the day or the political leaders of the day. He announces the birth of his son, the coming of the promised Messiah. He announces it to the lowest group in society. Poor shepherds. Shepherds were very needed in this culture, but they weren't very they're kind of like our garbage men. We, we all need our gar- I love my garbage men. Without my garbage men, I don't know what I do. Uh, I love them. Every Christmas, I give them a little extra because they take away all my garbage, and never there's never been one thing I've laid out in places, you know, the bulk, like here at the church, the bulk pickup is very picky. And I don't like them. Uh, at my neighborhood, at my house, they picked up everything I've ever put out there—refrigerators, uh, couches, dead bodies—they take it all. And so I take care of them. I love my garbage men. I'm, I, I'm thankful I have garbage men. But you know what? I don't really want to hug my garbage men on on, on garbage day. They're 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 dirty. Now they make great money, and I, I respect them. I'm glad I'm glad they're doing the job I don't want to do. That's what the shepherds were—they were doing a job no one else wanted to do, but people looked down on them for it. Now. To be clear, I'm not looking for garbage men. If they are a garbage man, I'm not saying they're lowly, dirty, poor, stupid people. I'm just saying that's not a job most people aspire to. Most of us, do our kids don't aspire to be garbage men. Now, if they do, great. That's a good job. Good benefits. You're, you're never employed because, so let's face it, we're always going to have garbage. So, well, good job. I'm not looking down on them. I'm just saying people look down on shepherds. And, hey, these shepherds, they're, they're watching the flock. And it's not even there. They are hired servants to watch someone else's sheep, so they're watching the flock at night. I imagine they're probably huddled around a campfire, you know, trying to keep warm uh, in the cool of the evening. And suddenly, an angel appears. And like every other time in Scripture, when an angel appears to someone, the first thing he says is, "Don't be scared," because these angels. Again, we have this image of angels, and you'll you'll see kind of Christmas scenes where it's like. Chubby little babies with diapers and harps singing. This angel showed up as probably like a 10-foot glowing warrior, huge wings, has a flaming sword, and when he shows up in the middle of the night, you are going to be scared. The angel says, hey, don't be scared. I'm not here to, to hurt you. I'm not here to harm you. I've got good news for you. The king has been born. The king has come. And then he tells them where to find him. You'll find the king, not at the palace. You won't find the king at the temple. You'll find the king in a stable. Lying with the angels. With his mother and father only. And then the sky opens up and the angels begin to sing. Now when he, in he, in the Greek, uh, can literally be translated the army of of heaven. Imagine how magnificent that scene must have been to be out in the middle of the the wilderness. Because again, they are out there, and it's if, uh, if it's a, a cloudy night, it's pitch black. I don't know if the moon was out. on We know there was one star out—a big one. It was brand new. Uh, but it's, it's, just, it's pitch black out there and all of a sudden the sky opens up and you've got an army of heaven singing the praises of God. I mean, I can't imagine uh, what it was like. I mean, what were they singing? What language were they singing in? Were they singing in Greek and Aramaic, so the shepherd? Were they singing any heavenly language? Who was singing harmony? Who was doing melody? You know, was someone on the guitar and the drum set? I mean, what this song must have sounded like. But it was just an incredible moment, an army of angels start singing, they start praising God, they start declaring, peace has come to earth. You know, how loud was it? Did just these shepherds hear it, or are people miles away going, who is, someone needs to turn down their music. Someone's cranked up their music too loud. You know, who heard this? Was it heard all around the world? Was it heard just there? We don't know what was going on. Now, you assume that an audience of this incredible show would be the VIPs of the time, the political leaders, the religious leaders, the wealthy, the famous of the time, but it wasn't. It was the night shift workers. It was the, the shepherds who were watching someone else's flock. They were the unlikely, unexpected recipients of the message that peace had come to earth at last. And it, It shows us how God completely flips what we expect Him to do in saving the world, how He flips it upside down. Why did He choose the shepherds? Why these unwanted, unexpected men, why did they have the honor and the privilege of receiving the message that God had come to earth? Shepherds, they tie a lot of the biblical themes together. You know, the shepherds remind us of Israel's beginning. When God came to Abraham, And started the nation of Israel. Abraham was a nomadic shepherd. Most of the the patriarchs, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Abraham, all these were shepherds. We even think of David, who the promise of the Messiah came through his line. He started his life as a lowly shepherd. They were the everyman, they were nothing special. They had no entitlement, they had no pride, they had no arrogance. They weren't the religious leaders. They had no authority. They had no power. They had no wealth. They fit the image of who Jesus was going to be and who He came to save. He didn't come the first time as a great warrior. He didn't come the first time as a conquering king. He came as a humble servant. The family He was born into had royal lineage to them, On Joseph's side and on Mary's side. When you study the genealogy of Mary, both Mary and Joseph were in line for the, the throne because both of them were in the line of David. Now they were distant cousins, so it was okay, but they were still both distantly related. And Joseph, if the, the monarchy had still been in place, Joseph would have been on the throne. Mary was a distant cousin, but both the, he had royal heritage. He had a royal family, but he wasn't living as royalty. Joseph was a, a carpenter. A common laborer. And Mary, Mary was just a, a peasant girl. But they were chosen to raise the Son of God. Even if her, no, kings not being born in a palace, not being born in a hospital, and of course they didn't have hospitals back then. But let's face it, it's God. He could have made a hospital. He could have, he could have given Mary an epidural if he wanted to. Uh, but no hospital. No midwife. No family surrounding her. She's alone with her husband in a stable. And there's a reason that, all, that a lot of comedy shows when the wife goes into labor, husband's panic. We're probably not the best person to be there to give birth to a baby. You know, I am I, glad that when April had all three of our children, there were doctors there who knew what they were doing. We almost didn't make it with Lexi. That would have been a, a, a crazy show for trying to deliver this kid. You know, I don't know if I'm going to catch it. They're slippery when they come out. And they're all gooey. You know? But anyway, so Joseph, she's there with her husband. She doesn't have a doctor. She doesn't have a midwife. She doesn't have a parent there. She doesn't have any other woman there to help her. She's alone with her husband in a stable filled with animals. God came to the lowly. God came for the have-nots. Those that were considered holy, those that were wealthy and powerful, they weren't invited to this birth. The shepherds tie in who Jesus came for, but the shepherds also they foreshadow Jesus' future ministry. I said before, sheep are dumb animals. Left to themselves, they're going to get in trouble, they're going to get hurt, they're going to get sick. They were just lowly, dumb animals, but they were special in Jewish culture. They were special because they were reminded them of the Passover. When God freed Israel out of slavery in Egypt, how He had them take a spotless lamb and kill that lamb, had to, had to slip that lamb's throat and they would take the blood and they'd put it on the, the doorpost and the death angel passed over. And every year, they would remember that. And every year, each family would take a sheep, would take a lamb to the, the temple, and it would be sacrificed. And the blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat uh, to, to pay for their sins for that year, to cover their sins for that year. So every year, a terrible cost had to be paid to restore Israel back to God. And Jesus came. He came to be the Lamb of God. The ultimate sacrifice that would cover their sins. It would take away their sins, but not just their sins. He would take away the sins of the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice that was needed to pay our sheep debt once and for all. His life, his death, his resurrection, it removed the need for yearly sacrifices of those sheep. He made it possible for us to be completely and eternally restored to fellowship with God. His life made it possible for us to have peace with God. What the Hebrews call shalom. Shalom in the the Hebrew, it means completeness or wholeness. When you really look at the etymology of the word, it refers back to how how creation was at the beginning, before the fall. Before Adam and Eve sinned. Before there was any separation from man and God. That's what shalom is. It is that peace where we can walk with God in the cool of the day. Where there is no sickness. There is no pain. There is no death. The lion and the lamb can lie down together. And the the lion's not trying to eat the lamb. Where there were no snakes because when you study Scripture, snakes came after the, the fall because God removed the legs of the serpent and made it crawl on his belly. So snakes are evil. Amen? In the new earth, there will be no snakes. I promise you that. Got to hope so. Anyway, and if there are, there will be nice little cuddly snakes. Uh, but anyway, it's the peace that God wants to restore how how things were. It reminds us. And that's why that's why God sent the angel the shepherds to announce the coming of the Savior. It reminds us, God's favor... It's not based on human standards. It's not based on what we can do for him. It's not based on what other people think about us. His favor is to anyone who will humble themselves, who will acknowledge their brokenness, and will accept the joy, the peace, the love, and the hope that he brings. See, peace isn't based on class it's not based on occupation it's based on God's desire to bring it to us and the shepherds they give us a few insights about God's peace that's available to all of us here's the first thing we notice number one we have peace in the storms you know we've all heard uh, the phrase eye of the storm talk about hurricanes anyone ever been in a hurricane and been through the eye of a hurricane Okay. Y'all are lucky. But when you get to the, when the eye of the hurricane passes over, I've never, I've had tornadoes, and uh, there's not a whole lot of, you don't want to be in the eye of a tornado. Uh, so uh, I've always run from them. But I've been in a couple of tornadoes, never been in a hurricane. But when the hurricane eye passes over, it gets, it's very, it gets very calm. The wind stops. The rain stops. It's, it's peaceful. But It's temporary. Because then the iPad, and then everything starts up and it starts in the opposite direction. The winds, the rain starts, destruction starts again. So when the eye of the storm, the winds are calm. There's peace, but it's temporary. How is your Christmas season going this year? I know it's early, it's only December 3rd, but how, how's Christmas going? Do you feel very peaceful thinking about everything you've got to do this upcoming season? The gifts you have to buy? The gifts you have to buy for people that you don't really even like. You buy presents, for you don't even... Like, why am I buying a present for this person? Oh, well, they bought us one last year. Well, who cares? Uh, but, you know, you gotta, you got to see people. You know, there are people in life I see at Christmas. You know why? Because I don't like them enough to see them any other time. But for some reason at Christmas, i got to go see them. I don't like them. I don't want to spend time with them. So i got to go see them. Why? Because it's Christmas. And that's what people do at Christmas. So Christmas is chaotic. It's hectic. Uh, You know, we we overload our schedules with things we have to do and places we have to go. And shopping, now look, I'll be honest with you. I haven't shopped in an actual store around Christmas in years. I thank God every Christmas for Amazon. If it can't be delivered to my door in three days or less, you ain't getting it. It's as simple as that. Well, Dad, I want this. You can only get it from the store. Guess what? You're not getting. I buy you a gift card. You can get it after the Christmas holiday at the store. But I ain't going to that store to do it. Uh, used to every year, me and April would go shopping for each other uh, together uh, because I remember the first year we were ever married, uh, our first Christmas together. We went. You know, I went shopping for her. She went shopping for me, and she she gave me a list of things she wanted, and she wanted a dress for Sunday morning. She wanted a church dress. So I go to the store, and I buy her what I think. It's a very lovely church dress. Turns out it was a prom dress. Uh, so after that, she decided, you're not allowed to buy me clothes without me being there. So it made it great. I mean, she knew what she was getting, but we had a great date. We'd go out to the mall. We'd get a meal together, get eat to eat, have a, a nice dinner together. We'd pick out her clothes, and I'd wrap them up. And, and, but we, we stopped doing that because I hate going to the stores. I hate fighting the crowds. I don't want to deal with it. It's it's crazy. Black Friday. Now again, I think since COVID, Black Friday's kind of calmed down. But I remember seeing the scenes of Black Friday. People like murdering each other for like fifty dollars off a TV. Just ridiculous things. But te- Christmas is technically, typically uh, described as frantic. To find peace, you know, and maybe maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe you're having trouble finding. Christmas because you have to deal with those people who have you've got good relationships with them. There's hurt that's never been resolved, but you've got to see them because it's Christmas. You know, peace is a long way off. It's, it's a nice thought. It's something we long for, but it's not something we all find very often. That's why most Christmas movies are comedies revolving around crazy times. Well all right, real quick. Somebody tell me your favorite Christmas movie. Not that one. I hate that one. Huh? It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. It's he he his he loses money, it- and look, I know we all love it. It's a Wonderful Life, it's a nostalgia. It's a terrible movie. Mister Potter never has anything happen to him. He gets away scot free. Uh, so anyway, but anyway, hectic time. okay. Uh, I'll name name them. Christmas Vacation. Y'all love it. You know you love it. You just want to you don't want to admit it in church you love Clark Griswold, uh, but you do. And I know you do. It's hectic. His he br- invites the in, and cousin Eddie shows up and starts emptying the the, the septic tank from his tamper into the, the sewage system, and Eddie does everything wrong, and then Uncle Lewis the tree up and kills the cat. It's a, it's a hectic time. Christmas with the cranks. That's another one. All because of hectic stuff. Four Christmases. I'm even the one y'all love. Say you love him because it's Crazy. Christmas movies are comedies based on crazy things happening because Christmas is hectic. We can relate to it. Now maybe it's not as hectic. Maybe you don't have a cousin in a bathrobe emptying his chemical sewer into your house. maybe you don't have that, but we can relate because it's Christmas is Christmas, Christmas is hectic. Christmas is not a time of peace shows up when the stars of life threatening to steal our peace, are threatening to destroy us. That's when he showed up for Israel. When he's born, Israel is suffering under the oppression of the Roman government. For centuries, they've been suffering, wondering if God was ever going to keep his his promise. Put yourself in, in Mary and Joseph's shoes. They're new new parents, which is supposed to be a joyous time, right? When you have that, when you get married and you get you find out your wife's pregnant, you having that first baby, it's joyous. And then the second one, it's it's good, and the third one's okay, and then that's it. And then you're like, no more, I'm done. Uh-uh. but that first baby, it's like, oh, I can't, what, what do they say? But not for Mary and Joseph, because yes, they're 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 not married yet; they're engaged to be married. And in this culture, getting pregnant outside of marriage was extremely shunned. I mean, Mary could have been stoned alive by either Joseph or her parents because she get, got pregnant out of the world. I know, God's the father. But how many people do you really believe that? How many people, when, when they came up to them, Mary, you're pregnant? Is it Joseph's? No, it's not Joseph. Well, whose is it? It's God's. How many people thought, oh, okay. No, she was, she was suffering, she was ridiculed, she probably uh, lost her family, she faced rejection from the culture. Uh, she's giving birth to her firstborn son, but it's not even Joseph's, and she doesn't give birth in a comfortable place. She's got no midwives, she's got no family there, she's got no one to encourage her during this. She's given birth in a barn, surrounded by animals. I mean, imagine the fear she must have been dealing with during this whole whole ordeal. In these circumstances... In the struggles of life, God shows up to bring us peace. In our pain, in our confusion, in our fear, in our grief, in our loss, God brings us peace. Here's the thing I don't know what pain you may be dealing with this Christmas season, because I know Christmas isn't a wonderful time for everybody. Some people are dealing with loss from last Christmases, from years before. Christmas is a, is a hard time. It's a difficult time. No matter what you're going through, God brings us peace in the middle of our storms. Second thing this piece of the shepherd show us is peace defies our circumstances. And look, I know that sounds good. This is great. The pain you're dealing with you're sitting there thinking it I don't I don't think there's anything that can bring me peace during this. The pain I'm struggling with, the difficulty I'm struggling with. But here's the thing. God's peace is greater than any pain you may be facing today. It doesn't make sense, but it's real. It brings healing and it protects us from anxiety. Philippians 4 Chapter four, verse seven. Uh, chapter four, verse four says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful. In the Greek, that means be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. How many of y'all say, "I'm I've I'm got no anxiety in my life. I'm not anxious for anything." No, we've all got anxiety of of something. How we're gonna pay the bills and get our kids' Christmas presents how we're going to take care of stuff, how we're going to do whatever. You know, we've all had anxiety, but the Bible says, hey, don't be anxious for anything. Well, that's great, but then he tells us how to. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. No matter what you are facing today, no matter what, you are dealing with today. God has peace for you. But, turn to Him to get it. He says, bring your hurts. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts to God. Paul says, bring everything to God. Because He cares about you. He cares about what you're struggling with. He cares about what you're See, he wants to help, but a lot of times we think the only thing we can bring to God is the impossible. I'll bring to God the impossible health problem. I'll bring to God the impossible financial issue. I'll bring to God the impossible situation I'm facing. But Paul says, bring everything to Him." Well, yeah, but i got this little issue with my, my wife, but it's no, it's no big deal. I can, I can take it. God says, bring it to me. I, wanna, I want you to give me your cares. I want you to tell me what your burdens are. I want you to to bring everything to me because I want to help you. There is power in prayer that comes from a place of gratitude. And the power doesn't come from things our way or from doing what we want. It comes from the peace that we get knowing no matter what we're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, God cares about you. No matter how minuscule it may seem, God cares. There is no one else that you can honestly say, I can go to them about any issue I'm facing, no matter how small, listen to me. Now, you may have people that will listen to a lot of stuff, but eventually you keep coming to them over and over and over again, you're going to get tired of it. For instance, I have gotten to the point, I hate Taylor Swift hate her. You know why? Because I can't go 24 hours without hearing about her. Because my 13-year-old daughter, every time I go, Dad, 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 guess what Taylor Swift did today? I don't care what Taylor Swift did today. Now, she can go to God about Taylor Swift all she wants to. And God's probably going to get sick of her too. But anyway, there's no one you can go to about the same thing over and over and they're going to care. But God says, look, bring every care you have to me. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how insignificant it may Bring every care you have to God. And we get to knowing that God loves you and God cares for you no matter what. Peace defies our circumstances. Third thing I want to see. Number three, peace is found in a person. We read it this morning, but we're going to read it again in Ephesians 2.14. For He is our peace. He made both one and one between us. The peace that we need is found in a person, but not just any person. It is found in Jesus. He made us one with God. He broke down the wall dividing us from God. His life, His death, His resurrection, it, it, it did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He. Our sin debt, he absorbed the wrath of God for us. He died in our place to pay our debt, and rose again to redeem us to God the Father. Peace from God, peace with God, is found in Jesus and Him alone. It's not found in things of the earth. It's not found in situation, person of Jesus Christ. As Isaiah nine says, "For unto us a child is born." Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom but order it. And to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Long before the angel showed up in that field telling the shepherds that peace had come to earth, Isaiah told us it would come. That we would find peace one day, but it would only come through the person of Jesus Christ. He came to bring us the peace that we've all been longing for since the fall of man in the garden. You know, when Jesus came to Israel They were longing for the peace that had been promising for centuries. They wanted political freedom. They wanted freedom from the oppression of the Roman government. They were longing for the Messiah to come and set up His throne and overthrow the Roman government. But He came to much more than that. He didn't come to bring peace to one region of the world. He came to bring peace to all of mankind. Peace with God. Peace in our hearts. He is the Lamb that came to restore us to God the Father. He came to live the life we could never live. He came to die in our place, to absorb the wrath of God, and to rise again to redeem us to God the Father. Matthew 11 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, So my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you, you have a burden this morning? We all do. Your burden is not my burden. My burden is not your burden. And to me, your burden may seem petty. To you, my burden may seem petty. But to God, every burden matters. And God says, bring me your burdens, bring me your struggles bring me your pain, bring me your heartache, bring me your doubts, and I'll give you the peace that you've been longing for. Come to him with your burdens, your pains, your challenges. He gives us peace. That invitation is open to everybody. We just have to accept it. During the second week of Advent, we look look to the Prince of Peace in the middle of your storm. Pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.